Hello, everyone. This is Ryan St. George with the Talking Fist Podcast. Today, I have with me Bernard Kwan. Uh, I met Bernard online, believe it or not, through an Amazon review. And I noticed that he was leaving very thoughtful reviews. And I was like, wow, this is a very well-read, well-spoken, intelligent individual. And I, I emailed him. Um Tell him I enjoyed his reviews, and then I guess through my email, the name of my email, you found out I had a podcast, right? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, and actually, I had I listened to some of your podcasts, and it was really, it was really great. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And we've been in contact ever since. I he showed up as a suggestion on Facebook, and I added him, and I I'm pretty sure you probably figured out it was me, and. Uh, yeah, and we've been in contact ever since, and he told me a little bit about his martial arts background, and I wanted to save it for this podcast because I think it's very fascinating. Um, you train with C.S. Tong, but before we get there, let's let's uh, let's go back in time. Um, let's go way back, like they say. And uh, where are you from? What's your background, and what led you to martial arts? Okay, so um, my background: I, I'm Malaysian Chinese. Yeah, my, my, my father is from Hong Kong, so my mother is from Malaysia. Um, I actually didn't start martial arts until I was in my early 20s, um, just after university. I was actually in Philadelphia at the time, and um, I had a chance to train with uh, Henry Smith at uh, Philadelphia Aikikai. So my first introduction to martial arts, uh, it was really through Aikido. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then through the years, I... Con- did like two years with him and then did a little bit of time with Yamada Sensei at New York Aikikai. Uh, and then, you know, later, uh, there was a hiatus. Um, I, I, I came back and I trained um, in uh, Endo Sensei's lineage and I had a chance to meet Endo Sensei in Japan as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the extent of my um, early experience with um, martial arts. Mm-hmm. But then later, uh, when I was... Um, moved to Taiwan, I had a chance to, you know, study a lot more of the softer internal styles. Mm -hmm. And that was a nice compliment, you know, for me with Aikido as well. Mm -hmm. So so I had a chance there to study um, the, a little bit of Tai Chi, and then um, actually a lot of Ba Kwa Chang. So that that was actually very interesting that uh, Taiwan's actually preserved a lot of the Ba Kwa Chang lineages there. As well, and then finally, you know, um, I moved back. I, I uh, moved back permanently to Hong Kong, and I've been with my uh, teacher C.S. Tang uh, ever since. Um, so I've been with him, you know, fifteen to seventeen years. I forget the exact time mm-hmm. uh, that I've been studying with him, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I guess I, I've taken discipleship. Uh, I do treat him like my own father, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I'm, you know, my, my. Um, desire is really to help him preserve help preserve a lot of what he teaches he's got you know he has such an in-depth knowledge of mm. uh, Chinese martial arts history he's written uh, a number of books on singing dragon but uh, you know I, I'm, I'm slowly just sort of cataloging what has not been out there what he hasn't said in the interviews and what is not mm. in the books mm. thus far yeah so that's kind of a little bit of my martial arts background but um in current years, I've actually been much more interested in um, internal alchemy, the Taoist internal alchemy, like uh, energy work, um, the Nei Dan. So I have um, two teachers in Taiwan, uh, whom you know I was seeing very regularly, mm-hmm. uh, of the more than northern sects. 
um, uh, styles. And then um, I've also been working with um, Damo Mitchell mm. as well, um, who is, you know, is quite a famous teacher in, in the community mm-hmm. here. Uh, he's very famous for his uh, Bagua, his Xingyi, his, his, his Tai Chi, and now very much for his uh, Nego, his, mm. his work. Yeah, and actually, as, 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 as sort of a, an aside, he did um, review one of my Sifu's books, um, the one on Xingyi, because they, they are both, you know, in the Singing Dragon um, publisher under the same label. Mm-hmm. So they had a chance, you know, he had a chance to also acquaint himself with his work. And so that's, you know, a little bit of coincidence or a nice, uh, mm-hmm. nice anecdote there. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's get, get uh, before we delve into. I'm definitely want to talk about Aikido and a few other things. But before I get there, I want to backtrack a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your cultural background and uh, um, and also what led to your current system of beliefs. You know, I think that's really interesting. Sure. Um, you know, I think my parents, uh, my I, my family in Hong Kong, they're actually one of the oldest uh, Christian families in Hong Kong. So it's, it's, we have quite an interesting history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are quite an old family. We were here since, you know, 19th century. And there are uh, quite a number of, you know, mentions of us in some of the history books about just the, the, the spread of Christianity in Hong Kong. Um, you know, some of my, my ancestors did play quite um, a significant part mm-hmm. uh, in that. Um, and my, my family in Hong Kong is also quite an old medical family. Um, my great-grandfather uh, was, uh, went to Hong Kong University or, uh, or the Hong Kong College of Medicine at the time with Sun Yat-sen. So they were classmates. Wow, that is insane. Wow. Yeah, and um, his wife was actually introduced to him uh, by Sun Yat-sen. And she was the daughter of a missionary in Hawaii. So she moved back to uh, Hong Kong uh, to be with him, my, my great grandmother, um, and and so that's you know it, it, it's nice to, that I've always felt that kinship and that tie to to Hawaii as well, and I've actually been you know quite a number of times. Yeah, so you can imagine this this uh, you know a little bit chubby Chinese woman who moved back to, you know and who was English was. Um, uh, much better than her Chinese, and having to come back and live in live in Hong Kong at the time, yeah. So, so that that that's kind of shaped me. I mean, this this long abiding interest in not so much Christianity, but but you know, like um, a deep spirituality uh, and the interest in, in, in medicine as well. My father is a doctor. I would have been fifth generation, uh, but I'm not. Um, and the other thing I guess that sort of really shaped me is. Um, yeah, I spent a lot uh, my uh, a long time in the UK as well. So um, I, I um, you know did my some boarding school and university in the in the UK, uh, and I studied you know uh, politics, philosophy, and economics with an emphasis on philosophy. So I really was drawn to um, philosophical systems and, and thinking, and um, I started with Western philosophy. I wasn't. I felt that it was a little bit too analytical mm. and a little bit too logical and it didn't deal enough with the meaning of life. And mm. I graduated more towards like continental philosophy. Mm. I, I spent a lot of time studying actually at university studying about uh, things like people like Heidegger, you know, Kant, Nietzsche, and still didn't kind of give me what I wanted. Mm. And then it was sort of after that that I kind of 
really went all in um, to sort of rediscover my roots and mm. um, started studying a lot of uh, Chinese philosophy, mm. um, sort of teaching um, uh, Taoist texts and, mm. and, and uh, a few Confucian texts. Mm. Yeah, so, so that was kind of how it all began. Mm. And the martial arts wasn't initially a part of it, but, you know, a friend dragged me to the dojo when I was in the US and then um, it's like it kind of all the magic sort of happened mm. from there. Yeah. That is fantastic. That is amazing. Yeah. In Malaysia, uh, how long did you stay there? Um, I was there until I was 13. So I grew up, you know, in Malaysia and then I was like 13 and then I then spent a, a significant time in the, in the United Kingdom. Mm. Yeah. But I would go back, you know, during vacation and stuff to see my family and my relatives. Mm. That's so yeah. fascinating. Uh, in Malaysia, yeah. do you have access to a lot of the, I guess maybe back, I mean, I'm sure now, but back then, did you have access to a lot of the, 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 the texts that you're into now, like the, you know, philosophical Taoism? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, I think it was, it was sort of percolating in the background, uh-huh. um, as well as a, a lot of the martial arts. Uh, some of my relatives also did martial arts, uh, more the hard styles. My grandfather did some Tai Chi. Mm. So that, that was more in the background uh, than anything else. But I think the nice thing about Malaysia is that we've retained a very, very traditional sense of Chineseness. It's almost like been a little bit like a time capsule. Mm. Yeah, because obviously in China, there's been the Cultural Revolution, and in Hong Kong and Singapore, um, <clears throat> the societies have become very westernized. Mm-hmm. So um, there tends to be uh, a certain amount of prestige associated with, with Western culture, mm-hmm. uh, and the in, you know the background culture sort of takes uh, is kind of fades more in, in, into the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating. You 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 literally are a mixture of Eastern and Western education and cultures. Literally, um, yeah. I think I aspire to be. I had, I struggled with that for a long time, not trying to um, merge the two. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you know, in the in the last few years, I've come to much more of a happy medium where I, mm-hmm. I feel that okay, I'm I'm actually very comfortable navigating both Eastern and Western cultures and, and, and just maybe drawing parallels between them and, and just, uh, you know, appreciating both for the good points and the bad points mm-hmm. of, um, of both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just trying to do my best to, you know, live a, a good life and trying to be like a decent human being. Yeah. So I love the fact that you said trying to find balance between the two. It's very interesting. And I think a lot of people misunderstand being Western is, is not a racial thing. It's, it's a cultural thing. You know, yeah. um, if you're born in a Western country, you're a Westerner, regardless of what you look like, obviously, you know, and you were, you had a Western education yet, you know, you still, like you said, that was always kind of percolating in the background, you know, the philosophies yeah. you wanted to get into. And I know you actually teach some of that now, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think just over the years in the, in the, in my journey, I've been really, um, interested in how you know eastern cultures kind of shaped at least my beliefs and the beliefs of people um in asia as well and um especially you know from the the viewpoint of spirituality so i i, I think I, that was sort of the launching point like looking when i was looking into taoists uh texts buddhist texts 
and the like. And then I, I found actually, you know, that there's a lot that you kind of kind of inform what a good life can mm. be. Um, <clears throat> and so I was looking at how you know we can besides just you know going to temples or going to 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 pray, how we can kind of integrate that a little bit more into everyday life. And then mm. that that's how I started to be interested in you know some of the Chinese arts, which are very tightly intertwined with. Uh, the philosophy mm. and and the spirituality. So I, I really enjoy um, uh, calligraphy, you know, tea, um, you know, incense. Yeah. So so that these um, you know also inform my my everyday lifestyle. You know, uh, in, in addition to the martial arts as mm. well. So I've I've been spending the last few years trying to kind of almost. Um, delve into or recreate a little bit of this literati lifestyle and protect, present a little bit of alternative v- way of like the good life as compared compared to you know the western view of the good life here we have the chinese view of what it is to to live a good life and then you know like to be content to be happy and in harmony with the environment mm-hmm. um yeah and so that that's kind of been my my little mission in the mm-hmm. last few years to, to to spread that and kind of revive it here mm-hmm. uh in asia that is fantastic. So, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Um, so, Aikido to Chinese martial arts, and you said it was in Taiwan where the Chinese martial arts started, right? It was Taiji yeah, and Bagua. Um, what branch of Taiji was it? Um, in the beginning, I was just really just studying um, the Yang style, and then um, it was. There was I was doing a, just a bit more of um, some of the wushu styles like the forty two form, mm. and in, in in Taiwan it's the Chen Manqing style is very prevalent. So I yeah. did a little bit of the Chen Manqing thirty seven um, as there as, as a sort of an introduction. Yeah, what is the Chen Manqing style like? I hear that a lot. Um, a lot of the um, people from the West originally learned that here in America. That was their introduction to Taiji. What what is that like compared to Yang or or Chen or Wu or Wu Hao? Yeah, I, I think the frame is smaller and um, the the movements are, are are sort of abbreviated. They're they're more straight line, mm-hmm. and I think the the movements in some ways are are, are more soft and less less expanded than mm-hmm. traditional Yang style. So. Um, it's, it is very popular because Chiang Ching did spend um, a, num- a number of years in New York, and he, he wrote a number of books in English, and he had a, a number of um, you know very very devoted disciples to spread his art. Uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it, um, but you know it wasn't until I came to um, Hong Kong later that uh, I came in touch with uh, the traditional Yang style and the. Um, uh, my my sifu was C.S. Tang, mm. who had also studied under Yang Shouzhong mm. here um, in, in Hong Kong, and I really enjoyed you know the much more expansive version um, of, of Yang, the more traditional style Yang here right. in Hong Kong. Yeah. Right. Uh, training in Taiwan was there any sparring programs? Did you guys ever spar? Or was just kind of um, informal. No, if someone it, wanted to do it, you guys did it. Um, I, I've, I've done a little bit of sparring before, and it is more like sort of Muay Thai boxing, but not so much in the Chinese martial arts. Um, we did sort of quite heavy push hands, uh, and I would just term it as like bad wrestling, mm-hmm. you know. But, but that that was uh, just kind of a way to train, um, you know, how to use force and how to use how to use mm-hmm. jin. 
but I, I think it wasn't taught particularly systematically at that time. So in, in a way, it, it was just like, oh, we just throw you in. And then you guys kind of push each other for, for an hour or half an hour and then mm-hmm. learn what you can. And there weren't a lot of pointers mm-hmm. in, in, how, in how to do push hands properly. But that was kind of my extent of um, pad practice. In some of the Bagua start stuff, um, we did sort of train um, applications mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, like pad practice. But again, that's in a very controlled environment. Right. Yeah, it's more 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 like training, you know, movement rather than really being able to use uh, those forms. Right. Yeah. That's another topic to get into eventually, I'm sure. But uh, sure, Bagua, yeah. the the lineage that you practice, what was that in in uh, Taiwan? Um, I I did a little bit of uh, Bagua with Hajin Han uh, when I was in um, Taiwan. So that was Bagua Chen. It was, uh, it, it was um, the Yin style Bagua, so it came down to Gong Bao Tian, mm-hmm. and then Gong Bao Zai, and then He um, Jin Han mm-hmm. um, was there. And then we, I used to go to just practice a little bit with him in the park, yeah, uh, in, in, on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, when I was there, I was able to get in touch with a, a number of um, other lineages as well uh, in, in terms of, uh, the Gao style, I wasn't practicing at the time until I started practicing it with um, CS Tang, but um, I'm in quite uh, close contact with um, the Zhang, Zhang Junhong uh, lineage uh, there in Hong Kong, in, in Taiwan. Um, I, um, one of my teachers, uh, uh, Zhang Yongliang, is, is, um, was the last uh, student of uh, Zhang Junhong. Um, he, so I still study with him. I study I Ching with him, and I, I study some uh, internal alchemy with him mm-hmm. uh, in Taiwan. Um, and I was able to um, meet the uh, Wuzheng lineage of, of Gao Bagua as well through um, through 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 uh, um, the, the what he called himself at the time was a Warren Fox. So it's like uh, Robert. Uh, Johnson, I think, at the moment. So he he, he he's uh, he he was uh, living in Taiwan at the time, mm. uh, and um, he since moved back to Georgia. But then you know we actually, like you, we started corresponding, and then he actually introduced me to his teacher, which was another style of in, in the Gauss line, in the Gauss mm. style. Yeah. Mm. That is fascinating. Um, so Aikido, even though it's a Japanese art, it's so different from pretty much every other Japanese style. I mean, like judo, uh, old jiu-jitsu, karate. It's it's so different. And if I could be frank, if you don't mind me asking directly, when when you experience other arts, how did Aikido measure up? Or what is your rank in Aikido, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I'm just a showdown. A yeah, showdown. I never, I didn't test anymore after that, so I only have a yeah. I mean, black belt's still I high, mean, yeah, and you train with a lot of reputable people. I remember you mentioned a lot yeah. of reputable people, yeah. so you have experience. And belts can be deceived. We all know that. Um, yeah. So with your expand, very you know in depth Aikido knowledge, how did it did did it even yeah. work? I mean, was it applicable? At all, or yeah, and, and I, I'm going to say this at the risk of obviously offending the Aikido community uh-huh. as well. Um, but uh, I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I sort of became a little bit disillusioned with Aikido. I was um, very active um, on the Aiki web 
in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think at that time we had already were already starting to see, like on the forums, that there was a lot of questioning of Aikido and its effectiveness um, in in combat mm-hmm. and stuff. I just really liked, I mean, the choreography and the blending. I really, I mean, I like the philosophy. I really. I have a soft spot for you know Japanese culture as well. I think they preserve some really, uh, really, really good parts um, of Chinese culture uh, through the years, and then they made it their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the discipline. I liked um, the, the 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 way that you know you keep the dojo clean and the, the respect and the hierarchy and, and, and all of that stuff. So I thought that was really good for polishing the mirror and just polishing mm-hmm. the spirit, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I encountered um, a lot of those um, issues that other people were finding that it's not particularly effective in a street fight, or, and it was like too uh, choreographed and, and a little bit flamboyant, depending on on the teacher. Mm. Um, I, you know, my teacher Henry Smith at the time, I I really respected him because you know he was uh, I think an all American. Uh, he played um, you, you know football player. Mm. He would he played for Pan. Uh, and then he gave it all up to become a dancer. So he went to London to become, you know, the Drawing the Royal Academy or something like that. And then he became a dancer. And then he was at one point he was also like an Olympic weightlifter. So he was a strong man, but at the same time he had this like very um, he, he could handle himself in a fight, but at, but at the same time, you know, he had this grace and beauty mm-hmm. in, in, in the way that he moved. And that was the thing that attracted me mm-hmm. uh, to the Aikido. But I, I would say that, you know, after I started to spend a lot of time on the forums, I became really disillusioned. Uh, and, and especially so after going to, you know, um, Taiwan and, and, and spending a lot of time with the tra- traditional Chinese arts, um, you know, just being able to see that people, you know, you, you touch them, you can't move, or you're just being kind of thrown really easily without even at full resistance. Yeah, that kind of started to shift me over somewhere. And I did spend some time also looking with at some of the te- teachers, you know, who were trying to reform Aikido, you know, put a little bit of um, Aiki back into Aikido. Uh, so I spent a little time with Mike Sigmund. I, I flew all the way to Colorado um, to to Durango to meet him and I had a really nice week with him and Mike and I are still good friends Um, I I, um, had a good chance to meet Sam Chin I went back uh, to Malaysia to see Sam Chin um, and I met Sam Chin's father who unfortunately has since passed Um, I also was able to touch hands with him and um, I I also got to meet Akuzawa you know uh, Minori Akuzawa Aonkai which is um, something which I still train here on the side here in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. as well because I think it had it's it's really interesting the way that he applies some of the principles so Mm -hmm. that that search for that you know, internal power that 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 missing ingredient was kind of what led me to go and kind of be all in with the Chinese arts, mm. Chinese um, traditional right. arts. Yeah, I, I, when I think of Aikido, it's I mean, looking at it, I, I it's it's really hard for me to believe that it's anything useful. Like, there's any use in it just by watching. I don't mean that that to be offensive. You know what I mean? Um, mm. I do think there's some use in some of those leverages and whatnot, maybe in the initial stages, like if someone puts their hand on you or you, you know what I mean? Not an active fight in the middle of a fight. Of course not. You know, it's, it's never going to work, you know, trying to catch someone's punch. 
probably the worst yeah. thing to ever train. I mean, you sparred, you know that. You don't catch people's punches and, <laughs> and stuff like that. But uh, would you say that maybe Aikido is better as like a, like a little bit of an add-on? To, to other things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it's, um, it, you know, I would train it in the same way that people just train sports wushu mm. nowadays, right? You know, oh, like okay. uh, the Western, uh, the, the Eastern wushu, like in, coming out of China, I think it, it it's good. Like, uh, and I like the philosophy and I mean, it's a nice community. Mm. It teaches you how to blend. Um, I wouldn't say that the, the the applications are not useful because uh, in Bakwa, I had to sort of rediscover all the applications. Um, my, my Sifu is like, um, because the lineage that I'm in in, in Bakwa and the Ho Choi lineage, um, they're very, he's a very small man, so he's very good at these joint locks and escaping mm-hmm. from locks and, and, and stuff like that. So he's, um, I sort of relearned like Ikkyo, Nikkyo, Sankyo mm-hmm. in uh, a way which is under resistance and under pressure mm. and the guy you know with, with bigger people who are bigger than me who just basically you know like um, doing their best not to let me apply the technique on them so these are uh, techniques that are applicable and, uh, but uh, you know you just have to train in the right way not with right. a compliant okay which is I think one of the biggest problems um, in, in Aikido right now mm. is that you know people are trained to just take a fall yeah. Right. And I mean, when you're, when you're, when you get someone in a shoulder lock and you, and you, and you step under them and try to flip, like people don't flip over in real life. You probably snap their shoulder if you really did have a hold like that, right? They're not going to flip yeah. over. Yeah. But I agree with you. It's, it's, it's because a lot of these leverages and stuff like that and joint locks, they're, they're in most martial arts anyways, right? Yes, um, that's correct. Yeah. And like you said, you learn, you learn very similar techniques in Bagua, but it's almost like you read, you said you rediscover them and learn how to use it. I hate to say it, but yeah. properly <laughs> or with, with <laughs> or proper body mechanics, I would say that, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, with proper body mechanics because yeah. you, you're constantly being tested, right, that mm-hmm. whether it works or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't uh, – and that's the way that my Sifu learned. He said, you, you know, they would go on the rooftop and basically they would just apply techniques on one another mm-hmm. because the teacher's just going – not really, you know, he's not really teaching all the time. He's, it's usually a big rooftop. A lot of people mm-hmm. so for like – three hours they're just applying different techniques mm. on one another and then um seeing if they, they work mm-hmm. yeah and, and 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 that's the only way to do it i think in sort of a much more of a live environment and in at least for him in the 1970s right the 60s and 70s when he was like you know training properly um you were you were still still seeing a lot of fights on the street you know there were still like you know triads and there were um a lot of people who were training martial arts were not from you know the most educated parts of society mm-hmm. so you have people who working on the docks mm-hmm. you know people who are contract you know working on on the on the construction site so these are strong guys right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah and that, that's the in a way that's the only way to really see it the techniques work right yeah. when you actually have to defend yourself <laughs> yeah yeah where aikido is just a lot of hypotheticals and a lot of compliance yeah yeah um yeah i've seen people online uh use a lot of these techniques in aikido and it looked legit but again a lot of these guys are six foot 
you know, over 200 pounds and they're in really good shape and they're really strong, kind of like your, the, the guy you spoke of earlier, you know, where when you're a good athlete and you're really strong and yeah. the guy's smaller than you and he's, he's slower and he's not a, not a very good athlete, you can make almost anything work, right? Right. You know? And yes. So it's kind of, do you get what I'm saying? It's like, I, I really, I don't want to totally dismiss Aikido, but I, I'm definitely... I think it, it just it's missing that element which you you get you know if you do um, you know tai chi well you know like like that that, that uh, or, or some of the other internal arts mm-hmm. well it, it has that uh, you know you need to actually train your body and condition your body mm-hmm. to be able to use the forces correctly right mm-hmm. so whether like it's like the peng jin in in, in, in tai chi or or just using other kinds of gin, you know, just to, to the, the na gin or whatever, just to capture the opponent's center. It's not something that you're taught in Aikido, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And not, not that you're really, a lot of people teach that in, in, in Tai Chi, but then, you know, like, uh, if you do have that, then you can make, I think, the Aikido techniques work. Maybe not as prettily, but right. then, you know, I think Ueshiba had that when he was, and some of the, some of the masters did have it, you know, like um, Shioda, probably learned some of that, you know, that, that, that the internal the internal mechanics, the internal force that he was actually able to mm. um, put it on people. But they didn't really, it's, it's, it's unfortunately the, the very Eastern kind of um, way of teaching that you have to steal your, your sensei's art, right? So he doesn't right. teach you and you sort of like try and catch a glimpse. You try and figure out what he's doing and yeah, not everybody can sort of pass it on. Yeah, and they might be passed on in a, a watered-down, adulterated form. Right. Well, I, I think didn't uh, the founder of Aikido, he had a background Aki Aki Jiu-Jitsu, right, I believe? I think. Yeah, Daito Ryu. Yeah, Daito Ryu Aki Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. So, so like, he, you, had, you the, he had the mechanics. He had the foundation yeah. from that training, obviously, right? You know, yes. so not but not everyone has that background and and that art when they're learning aikido right it's kind of what you're saying huh like they don't they didn't yeah exactly and then some people have gone back to go to look at daito ryu and there's some very good daito ryu masters in japan uh as well but uh again it's i i unfortunately i I do think it's um they don't have the full range of the mechanics that you might see you know like in, in in say a tai chi or or um you know, like in, in Bagua. I agree. Uh, if you, uh, you know, have, have a good teacher and are training properly. Like to me, I feel like if you, like if you're so obsessed with like joint locks and throws and stuff like that, mm. to me, I feel like you're better off just learning like Shingi Bagua or, or Taiji, Shingi Liu or something. Because there's a lot of Chin on yeah. those arts, right? Yes. I yeah, think, I think Chen, you're better Chen, off. Right? Chen all about like locks and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and you get a more complete system too that has strikes and you know and yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I I, I think, um, but but you know, West Eastern. I mean, Chinese arts as well are, are also becoming very choreographed. I, I think you know, in China, it it is a little bit better because if you're not careful, the guy will actually hit you, and then you know you need to be very careful when you put, push hands or even like train with someone because mm. that's the, the if you're not careful, they break your arm or whatever just to prove yeah. a point. But, um, you know, outside of that in Hong Kong, Taiwan, um, you know, Southeast Asia, I think we've become a little bit ritualized and, and we, we're not maybe getting that same kind of intensity of training um, anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate because 
Like I'm a big MMA fan. Do you watch MMA, Bernard? Yeah. And um. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I watch sometimes. I watch the one here in, in Asia, but not really. Yeah. Not. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't. I, want, I don't watch it that often because. Yeah. yeah. I don't have the pay per view and, right. and all of that. Yeah. I used to watch a lot more until I had my son. Now I have yeah. almost no time. But. Um, I. You know, you watch MMA, and I know a lot of traditional stylists. Like hate that hate hearing stuff like this, but it is a good way to kind of see what mechanics work and what movements work, what techniques work, you know. And and you look at you know Chinese gung fu separately, without it being an mm. MMA, and there's very good mechanics, there's very good foundation, there's very good power training and whatnot, you know. Yes. But clearly, there's something missing or lacking in the current context. That's why you don't yeah. see it in MMA or you don't see it in street fights, knocking out guys like you do see boxers, yeah. kickboxers do, right? right. Um, yeah. And I think it kind of speaks to what you said. It got so ritualized, you know? Yes. And I don't, it, it, there's wushu, but there's always a lot of traditional guys in mainland. Even during the Cultural Revolution, people yeah. kept it going, you know? But there's no yes. competitions. They trained really hard. Right. You know, they kept the arts alive. Yeah. You can still learn really good kung yeah. fu. There's no, there was no competitions, you know? Yeah. So I think it speaks to and what you then, said. I mean, it, yeah, you don't, you, then you don't get that exposure, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of like king of the hill in your, in your village. And then, right. you, you, you know, you, that you've never seen a, like a lake sweep before, maybe, you know, and mm-hmm. then like, oh, <laughs> then you go out and then you, or, or people taking you to the ground and, and, <laughs> and wrestling with it. You might be the best kicker or something. So, right. I mean, that, that's been the real, real benefit of all of the MMA mm-hmm. and, and, and the development. And I, I, I would say that, you know, it's a little bit like, like the Budo in, in Japan. Um, if you want to train Chinese martial arts, um, it's not really there to fight. It's really to chain, train your you know body conditioning, to change your body, to be uh, much stronger, more, more supple, more flexible. Um, and then on a deeper level, yeah, there's the whole energetics portion, which we can maybe talk you know about a little bit later, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, really amazing. Um, yeah, but in terms of the fighting, um, I would just say, yeah, train it as a way to kind of round out um, your skill set. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think like a strong boxing background and a little bit of a, like a BJJ or groundwork background mm-hmm. is, or kind of all Thai boxing. I think those are kind of nice as the mm-hmm. as the course skill set. Right. And then you can go and look to uh, the Chinese arts to right. find some of that uh, the, the extra stuff that, it's that, just- that will. Well, yeah. the reason why is right because when you train some like boxing, Muay Thai, or BJJ, yeah. you yeah. already know what it feels like to know what's real and what's not real, what works, right? So when yeah. you do train these traditional arts, you have a, I think you have a better lens to look through, a more sure. realistic lens. Yeah, it's just unfortunate we have to go that route first or yeah. add it on. Like Byron Jacobs, um, I don't know if you heard my interview with him, but he, you know, he's high level Bagua and Xingyi. Yeah, uh, trains, right. you know, Digo Young. Byron's yes, a jet, yes. very skilled martial arts. He's had people challenge him before that came by, you know, he could fight. But there's, yeah. you know, there's a limit to how much sparring he has access to. So he put himself out there in a, in a, in a, in a situation to where he's training BJJ, which is like, he can't do, I mean, you can't strike. You know what I mean? You can't you can't right. do a lot of things, yep. and but he 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 wanted to apply the body mechanics and the and sure. the few techniques he did learn that could be applied in situations against a full resisting opponent. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's amazing that he did that. You know? 
without yeah. without compromising, you know, the, the flavor or the traditions of his of his previous arts. Does that make sense? No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I, I, I I sort of encourage, you know, if you want to go down that route to 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 yeah, just sort of put yourself out there. I mean, I'm I'm too old now. I'm almost pushing fifty, right? And I'm no longer really interested <laughs> in fighting nor am I interested in um yeah, like maybe like getting down and like rolling on the ground and sparring right. and dislocating my shoulder because things take a lot longer to heal. But yeah. I am definitely interested in, um, yeah, all the body mechanics. And, and mm-hmm. for my, my daughter, I mean, I, I didn't steer her or initially to Chinese martial arts. I initially steered her to, to kickboxing. Mm-hmm. So that, that was, um, and uh, she, because of ice skating, she had like these amazingly powerful kicks mm-hmm. because of all the spins wow. and the flexibility you know, that she was doing. So she, she took it like a natural, but um, yeah, but, but, you know, obviously there's like different time commitments and she's lost a little bit of interest. But mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like in terms of what I was raising, um, my my child to be uh, someone who like, like can defend themselves or just have like some basic techniques. I I, I think uh, you know like Thai kickboxing is probably a very fast way of picking up the skills. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I I come from a karate background, and uh, Shotokan, yeah. and I mean, I've trained in Sanda a lot when I was in China, and right. I, I trained at MMA yeah. schools and kickboxing schools in America a lot before I moved to China. Um, I, I prefer traditional martial arts. I prefer Shotokan karate, uh, but the the truth is, I'd be lying to myself. I'd be lying to you, and I'd be lying to everyone if I said you could learn yeah. how to fight training Shotokan at the same speed training Muay Thai. That's just not true. It's not right. true. Even though if you if you analyze the techniques and the kata and the bunkai of Shotokan, it has everything Muay Thai has. And yes. I, I think Shingi probably has most of that too. You know, Shingi's stance yeah. is pretty similar, a, a weighted rear leg, right? Kind of like Muay Thai. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. but the training methodology um, and the fact that, that there is a, a full contact competitive outlet right. makes a huge difference, obviously. You know, and yes. That's why when people ask me a lot, what should I train? What should I do? I was like, what do you want to get out of martial arts? So, right. you know, if you want to learn how to fight, go train BJJ or go, go to a Muay Thai or MMA school. You will learn yeah. how to fight. You know, you don't have yeah. to compete. But if you want something more than that, then I would recommend a traditional martial art. In my opinion, I'm not saying that, like, you don't get the same quality of culture in Muay Thai. I mean, obviously you do. You know, it's a very spiritual art. You, you see them, the ceremonies before the fight, you know. Yes. Yes. But would you say that... Spiritual- People, the yes. yes, yes. When I was in Thailand for about a month, I mean, there was I, I, so much devout Buddhism there. It was a, it was really eye opening. You know, I really admired it. Um, but would you say that also there's something extra, something different you get from training a traditional martial art that you wouldn't quite get by going to an MMA school? Or- or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I really think that um, in terms of the body development, and that maybe just leads me on to kind of um, a good segue into why I started, you know, training a little bit more of the Neigong and the Neidan and the, and the Qigong stuff. Um, Let's segue there. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I was with CS Tang for a while, and then um, I was I was feeling, you know, that there must uh, – that, that, on a technical level, you know he's he's amazing. He has um, he, he he's he's trained. You know, besides Shingi uh, Bagua, I mean, he knows Wing Chun. He he knows like uh, some of the Shaolin forms. He knows Bak Mei and and, and Dragon Style. 
Um, so wait, you know, real he, quick, he has the, the, uh, real quick, I gotta ask, uh, Bakwe, isn't that the triad style kind of? It's not a triad style, but I mean, it's a southern style. It, it, it's very, um, it's, it's quite brutal. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I just it, heard a lot of triads into like are drawn to that style. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it is kind of more of um, in in, a, in the way that Wing Chun was as well. I think Wing Chun has been really like kind of. Um, gentrified in recent years because of the Yip Man movies, but um, you know, in the old days when you went into any Wing Chun studio, basically the ever guys kind of eye you up as you yeah. walk in, and then like you know, you kind of find your way in the hierarchy mm-hmm. pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Bachman, yeah. I mean, uh, most of these were you know, you know like people training these styles because of the tries or like you know people just got into fights right. in the fifties, sixties, seventies. It's not. Mm-hmm. It was a very normal part of. Mm-hmm. Um, just like living in, in in a big city mm-hmm. with a lot of like people, immigrants and people coming in from China mm-hmm. and slums and trying to make a living and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So continue. I'm yeah, sorry. For I haven't trained the Bakme with him because I'm I'm a little bit too old now. Um, it's I, I think you need to be have a really um, highly developed sense of cardio. Because there are some very very rapid sequences, and there's like a, a lot lot of very strong combinations mm. um, that, that that are kind of required. Um, so I'm I'm at that point where I, I don't have that kind of cardio anymore, and then I'm more interested in going deeper mm. into the bagua, the tai chi. I don't do as much shingi. I mean, I I, I only really started shingi about two years ago, and so mm. it was just more to kind of round up my development. But I'm, I'm just really fascinated by the bagua and, and the tai chi. Yeah, and and so. Um, what you get is is a certain kind of body development um, because if you start to do the internal work, uh, the the dan, the energy work, you can actually start to build up your dantian, you know, your lower energy center, uh, and then that actually starts to have cascade and have leads to to um, how would I say. Uh, a change um, in the sort of the structure and the hormonal hormones of your body, right? Is mm-hmm. that actually you feel you have more energy, your um, your soft tissue kind of gets stronger. It's not just about building muscle. Um, you know, your ligaments, your soft tissue uh, gets stronger. Your, your, your alignment, your frame um, gets um, sort of more balanced and then you're using a lot more force uh, in a much more um, natural way. The thing that I te- tell my own students, like what I'm trying to teach you, is not really how to fight. It's more like how to move and how to how, how to use force in a very natural way. I think every, in modern day society, we have such kind of um, uh, unhealthy ways of living. And, you know, like we sort of hunched over a phone all the time, or people tend to do sports which are kind kind of not that great for their body. I mean, we I had a mountain climber come in last night and then you know like he has huge developed over back but then he he overemphasizes you know all the pulling um and 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 the, the sort of contracted muscles and i think the nice thing about um you know the internal styles is that you can have this really uh balanced um development mm-hmm. uh, of the body and and so Looking for that internal element was kind of what really took me back to Taiwan the second time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had another friend who um, was training with a teacher called um, um, 
uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, um, the, uh, in a system called um, Qiji Daoyin, right? So it was a, 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 a another master Chang, and um, he he sort of opened my eyes to the sort of the 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 way that you could really open up the energy lines in your body and 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 just you know really transform into something which was um almost like a a a 20 or 30 year old kid right Mm -hmm. so i i was seeing these old old ladies like 50s 60s 70s who were doing like super amazing things like Mm -hmm. uh you know, like gymnastics almost. Wow. Um, it, 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 yeah. And they were doing like full splits and they were, they were, and they were moving like dancers. And, and I was saying, Hey, actually, this is what really interests me much more, um, than the national, the fighting. I want to be like 60 or 70 and I want to be able to move and, um, breathe and, and just be active mm-hmm. like, 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 an um, like a like a like a 20, 10, 20 year old rather than a sixty year old, right? And just fall into a split, right? <laughs> yeah, awesome. fall into a split, or or you know, just kind of like getting on the dance floor and mm. start you know like just dancing with the young people. I mean, I see right. so many of my friends. That, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm pushing fifty. That that um, are starting to get have have this um, these signs of like you know old age, right? Whether it's like. The, the, the you're starting to shuffle you have a little bit more of a hunchback you know you're you're you're, you're like looking at the peer in closer to to do the reading uh yeah so i i mean i, I i'm i'm trying my best not to to go down that route mm-hmm. i think there's a lot that you can do sort of on the energetic side um to do that and uh you know as an adjunct to that i was also training with uh and then and then later just because of the academic uh, the, the COVID shutdown I, I also came across Damo Mitchell um, in, in in online um, he, he started his online academy and I think in the past I was a little bit skeptical because you know my images of him was was maybe like five six seven years ago uh, when he was I saw this skinny skinny person um, I, I want to say kid but I guess this very skinny like Englishman uh, teaching like Taiji and Bhagwan and I wasn't you know I wasn't like I, w- I, I think I had a lot of biases at the time I was like you know, I'm just, I don't want to study under this this guy I don't know what he's doing but then actually after listening to a lot of his lectures and, and just learning a little bit more about his background how he had traveled all across you know China and Southeast Asia to search for the you know the best teachers and um, looking at the way that he actually systematized his um the way that he taught uh, i thought it was really impressive and it I'm, I'm really really in debt to him because he helped me fill in a lot of the gaps um in, in my teaching you know i mean i was also searching for many different teachers and then i was absorbing things and like creating my own internal uh um like model of, of how things work but mm-hmm. due to his extended experience he was able to fill in a lot of the gaps yeah mm-hmm. for me Mm. There's a horn out there. I'm sorry about. I don't know if you heard that, but sorry about that. No, no, I was. Okay, that's yeah. that is very fascinating. Um, how did you meet CS uh, Tong though? How did how did that come about? Was there an introduction, or you just walked in and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Or no, no, I just walked in. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I just walked in, and then like uh, he was like, I I, I I I was just looking, you know, for teachers, and um, he was, you know, quite a well-known Bagua teacher, but you know, I I didn't 
know how famous he was at the time. I was just got moved back to Hong Kong and I was like, can you find a Bagua teacher? And he was the first one that I walked into. And then it was just more like five minute interview, right? Just mm-hmm. sat down. Um, so what do you want to learn? I said, I want to learn Bagua. Um, and he's like, okay. Um, and then he asked me a bit about my background and what I've been doing. And then, um, yeah, then he took out a form and then, you know, I filled it in this disclaimer that if I got injured mm-hmm. and, and if, yeah, that, that, uh, you know, he's not responsible and all that. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how, how it started. And, um, yeah, it's like, you know, like 15 to 17 years down the road, it's, I'm still with him because, you know, he's such a fun of, uh, of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and, and, and then I've seen people come and go and, and but, you know, I've just continued to, to mm-hmm. train them. When did you become a formal disciple? Um, I think it was like, um, I can't remember exactly. I think it was uh, 2011. Okay. Yeah, that was when I, um, so he has, he's taken three rounds of disciples. So, and he's not going to take any more. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there are only really about like 11 or 12 of us Mm -hmm. altogether. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, some of us have moved away uh, back to the left Hong Kong, back to the US and, mm. and uh, the UK or France or, or wherever. So, yeah, in Hong Kong, I think there's only like really um, three or four of us left. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. And uh, which Bagua did he do again? I think Gao. Yeah, he he um, he uh, studied under Ho Choi, who is. Um, so he studied Gao Bagua. So Ho Chao used to be in Tianjin, and he uh, studied other under Gao Yisheng uh, in, in in Tianjin. And um, he, yeah. So that was the line he initially trained. But then um, in the eighties, you know, as China was starting to open up, um, my Sifu spent some time in in Tianjin as well. Mm-hmm. And then he also. Uh, reconnected with some of the other Gao lines in 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 in, in Tianjin, mm-hmm. uh, and um, although he know, he didn't train with the uh, Liu Fengcai lineage, but he did train with the his teacher there was Wang Junxing. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it's more the Tianjin style Bagua, which is actually if if you if you characterize a uh, Ho Choi as a, like a more smaller built southern. Man, uh, you know who's very good at joint locks and escape and and and, and that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, the 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 tension style is much more like strong and um, brutal and direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in some in, in sort of his, his application. So uh, he also trained that as well. Uh, there's some subtle differences between I guess the Hong Kong branch and the Tianjin branch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he. Uh, um, I, I've had a chance to sort of learn some of the Tianjin stuff as well. But he has also, you know, spent time in in um, uh, Beijing, and he's also studied under the Cheng style uh, um, under Liu Jingwu mm. uh, as well in Beijing. And um, I think at that time he also was uh, came got in touch with a lot of like you know the other yin style teachers or, or uh you know the ma, ma, ma Gui style and mm-hmm. just like have to, to have like an acquaintance so he's 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 kind of a, a martial arts historian so he in a way he's he's had a chance to approach a lot of the you know the the, the, the last generation mm-hmm. of people 
um, you know, uh, who had training pre-cultural revolution. Now a lot of them have. Yeah, that's fascinating. He sounds like a Bagua fanatic, kind of like he was just wanted to get all the Bagua he could. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I I don't know if you remember something, you know, called the Bagua Journal by Dan Miller. There there was, he used to uh, have a a magazine called the Bagua Journal. So, Mm. um, yeah, there was an interview of C.S. Tang there, and and C.S. Tang just lists all, all the people he's kind of studied under. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a little bit crazy. If you look, read his books, uh, you mean like the one on Xing Yi or like, you know, the one on Yi Chen, then you can start, then there's like these all these pictures of the different teachers mm-hmm. that, that he spent spent time with. Yeah, so yeah, it, 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 I'm very lucky to have him as a, as a sort of a resource. Yeah, yeah. What I like about him from what you've told me so far is that uh, not all, not all, not all, but a lot of the Taiwan, Malaysia, and Hong Kong uh, Gong Fu people completely discredit or dismiss Dalu or mainland Gong Fu. Mm. As you, I'm sure yeah. you've seen that, you know, like, oh, it's all Wushu crap, it's all communist Kung Fu. Yes, yes. We know that's not true. Um, yeah. uh, anyone who's lived there or trained there knows that that's, that's completely false. It's not true. Did the Cultural Revolution and, you know, early communism hurt? culture and martial arts of course it did you know what i mean but yes. it was never wiped out and it was always there um and it's weird even a lot of masters that i really respect that trained in hong kong lines or are from hong kong they they still say that stuff that there's no real kung fu in mainland and it's i think it's fascinating that that cs tong was was mature enough to put himself out there and that's not easy to do when you're already a well-respected master of a northern art living in the in the in the southern area. You know what I mean? To go yes. to go to China when it opened up and to kind of put yourself out there it takes a lot of courage and it's it and it takes a, a lot of humility as well. You know, I think he was lucky. I mean, this is um, he. One of his first jobs was that he worked in a travel agency, so he was able to get a lot of free tickets. He didn't come from like a very you know, like well-off background, but um, even earlier in his training, he was able to go to Taiwan and he was able to, you know, like meet people like Chan Zhou Feng and, and uh, a lot of the other masters in, in, in Taiwan. Um, he, you know, he, he so I, I think he had that openness already in the beginning to mm. search for, like to, to fill in the missing pieces. Mm. And just going to China was, was sort of an, an extension right. uh, of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think, you know, it's if you it's an unfortunate state of affairs for for these internal arts that, you know, doesn't no one teacher seems to have all of the answers. So it is a little bit like you're going there and then you're cross training, you're training with different people and then you're, you're trying to repiece mm-hmm. some of the pieces of the puzzle back together. And people mm-hmm. are good at certain things and not so good at certain things. Mm-hmm. And, and you you know, you, you, it's not quite creating your own system, but then you're just trying to re, like uh, recreate something which is a little bit broken, unfortunately. Mm. Right. Know? Well, I mean, and you also have to be willing to be told that you're wrong because that's one of the first things that in, in yeah. mainland, I don't know if they do that in Hong Kong, but in mainland, no, got to start over. You yeah. know what I mean? And a lot I think of... you have that, that kind of humility because yeah. it's just like um, if you... Yeah, whoever I start learning from, right? I mean, I don't go in there and just say, "Oh, I know all of this stuff." Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm open. It's just like Ankai, you know. I, I was, I just started um, 
it was again like two or three years ago. It's like you know during the lockdown here, I was just training with my friend Xavier Duval, um, mm. who's a French person um, who who has a trained under Minoru. Uh, and, and, and it was like, okay, I I I, I, I want to learn. Your system and then i mean i have some background i have some conditioning but but it's a, it's quite different so i'm just you're the teacher and i'm the student mm. and, and that, that's perfectly okay yeah. yeah yeah why do you think there's such a divide between the hong kong taiwanese people and the mainland people because like, for me it's like man if i'm doing a northern art and i'm <laughs> training in taiwan or hong kong I'm going to want to go to the north and where the birthplace of these arts or where they're strongest in the north, right? You know, like, yeah. is, is it just the like being cut off from them for so long? It's just kind of like you don't want to have to admit that they might know something more or be better or different. I mean, you know, I think there's an element of stubborn pride there, right? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, especially in Taiwan, I mean, I think in Hong Kong it's, it's less so now, but mm-hmm. in, in Taiwan you still get this oh, all the good people came over during. The in forty nine, and then like everyone else, just like just were wiped out by the Cultural Revolution. <laughs> yeah. um, so that that's kind of this this myth that was perpetuated. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is the the rise of sports wushu, unfortunately, right? You know, right. You, you get this like all these people with, you know, qi duan, ba duan, jiu duan. You know, like they come out of um, um, China, and then they 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 these sports wushu people. That, that is, is like glorified gymnastics. Yeah, which is not uh, kung fu. Way, yeah. Anyone who does real kung fu knows that it's not acrobatics. It's just it's not. Yeah, really and, and so that 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 sort of reinforced uh, a little bit of it. But mm-hmm. it's a is that is also the parochialism. I mean, I I think we've already, unfortunately, in Taiwan and Hong Kong, it, it's also that the current generation of teachers, right, who are you know like me or just a little bit older, uh, you know, 40, 50 I mean, 50, 60, they, they didn't really have that chance to have that kind of exposure, right? They, they just like, oh, uh, you know, we just studied here in Hong Kong and, mm-hmm. and, 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 that, and, that, and that's it. And then, um, you know, they, they just believe what the teachers told them. Right. Um, yeah. And then because the pool is sort of shrinking as well, that you don't get as many young people coming into mm-hmm. the, the traditional arts um, in Hong Kong and Taiwan. So you have, it's almost like an old boys club of um, people, you know, in their 40s, right? It's like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. the best, we're, we're the best. And you, you, <laughs> you, at that age, you're not going to be, you've got family, you've got work commitments, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to go explore and try and find, uh, you know, like, missing pieces from mm. from my art I, i'm just going to protect my turf and my little right. uh, my little castle here yeah right yeah I, I think uh have you had conversations with people about that like do they because i have uh friends here that are their families originally from taiwan and you know they're they're you know they do gong fu and they mm. can't it just seems like they're so convinced that there's nothing legit in mainland anymore and like that story has been repeated so much, you know, and that like they're not even open to the idea of that might not be true. Have you yeah. have you encountered that before? Um, yeah, I, I encounter it quite often, you know. Oh like, wow! Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but but um, but to me, it doesn't matter because it's not about it's about my own journey, right? And, right. And then, um, yeah, I mean, even the fact that I you know I train with. Um, Damo Mitchell uh, raises some eyebrows as well. 
right? Because, you know, like, oh, you know, you have so many resources here in Hong Kong and in Taiwan, you know, why, why do you want to do train with uh, with demo? And it, that to me is like, you know, I, I train basically where I find I can, I, I can learn something mm. and I don't, and maybe that speaks to my East and Western mm. kind of perspective, right? I, I don't really, um, it is more about uh, finding what works rather than this strong adherence to, oh, this is the only way that's right. correct. Well, yeah. I have friends ask me, like, like, you know, that are just in the MMA type stuff. And they're like, dude, why, why do you train in karate? You know, yeah. it just, it, it, most of it doesn't work or it's, it's crap, you know. And like, why don't you do BJJ? We know it works. Blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy doing Shotokan karate. It makes me a happier person, you know. I enjoy it more. Why can't I be happy, you know? And I don't agree yeah. that it's totally useless. I don't think so, you know. I mean, there's been traditional yeah. karate guys in MMA that have done really well, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm still hoping and praying for the, the gung fu guy to come in eventually, you know. I yeah. Mean, the I, problem is we don't I, have I, I we don't have guys that, that, that train at a young age that are committed athletes. I think that's just pretty much the, one of the main things right there. You know. yeah, there's no committee. There's no. There's no system. There's no like stables and, and uh, like uh, to create. And, and I think Sanda did. Um, in the beginning, they, they 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 did you know a relatively good job. But I mean, I think it's like become like all things. It became very politicized. And, mm. and, um, yeah, and, and there's a little bit of like um, navel gazing and and you know a lack of it, lack of creativity and and innovation there. But you know, I think it's kind of a good platform to really ex- explore that stuff but the uh, rules are yeah, yeah but they, this training system of sanda is it's just it's not traditional kung fu anymore it's yeah, not people it don't want to hear that they, they get mad at me but it, it's true i did sanda it's nothing like yeah. traditional kung fu it, it's very much like kickboxing that i did in the past it's it, with throws yeah and it's like kickboxing and it's not as good as kickboxing because you know like the, the ties have been doing for you know like hundreds <laughs> of years right and then like right. you, you're just trying to recreate something mm-hmm. whereas uh you can you know there's you have this wealth of like very you know like the techniques that you could draw on if you were really like incentivized to give the right people to like kind of piece it together right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you could create a whole new like fighting system based on on things that are really strong mm-hmm. techniques from um all the different arts i mean just given the range of arts across china right yeah you, yeah yeah you could bring the best kicking systems and then you know the best like the china systems and like the best like Mongolian wrestling and mm-hmm. yeah, you can have like your system that could stand up to anybody, right? Pretty much. Yeah. But uh, it's just a lack of imagination, I think. Uh, yeah, and not and lack of not mienza. You don't want to lose that, right? Yeah. You don't want to lose face. So a lot of people they can't get over that. It was so weird when I first moved to China. Like I, I didn't understand the culture. I didn't really speak the language at yep. all. And they would they would say like you don't want to lose face. You don't care. Like what what face? I don't I don't have face. I don't care. Like I just that was me being ignorant. I I did not understand. You know I was looking at it through right. my American mindset. You know and even still to this day I kind of like the face thing kind of drives me crazy. But I understand it more now and I'm mm. more, more patient when dealing with it what do you think Bernard like we have uh, competitions in BJJ where you can only do BJJ and you do it against each other full force to see who's the winner and those produce great fighters that cross over to MMA right uh, we have right. wrestling folk style yeah. Greco-Roman 
Muay Thai, Dutch kickboxing. Uh, to a lesser extent, we do have karate. There's a lot of karate guys cross over to MMA now, like like uh, JK Kumite, where you can only use Shotokan techniques, you know, and, and whatnot. Um, as limited as those rules are, they still produce good athletes, right? Um, and when they do decide to cross over and cross train, they do well. What if a traditional Kung Fu style, let's say Baji Chuan or Bagua, they created a rule set that favored Bagua. You could only use Bagua techniques, and when you and you could spar, and I don't know whether, whether it's full contact or, or knockdown or, or point. I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Bagua of how to make a proper rule set, you know? Um, do you think that could create potential skilled athletic fighters? Yeah, I, I, I think it could, but I mean, in a, in a way that the, I, I wouldn't restrict it just to one art, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would, um, because they become so stylized now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, you know, you like look at the Tai Chi or, or the Bagua, it's become very stylized and ritualized. We've had the same discussion. It's, it would be, I think, better just to just to open it up um, to yeah, all maybe all northern styles or all southern styles, mm-hmm. and then you can and just craft a rule set that uh, right. you know you get extra points for using certain techniques, right? Or, yeah, are, I agree with that. Uh, um, yeah, which which are more generic rather than saying that it's like oh you know unique to this style, right? You don't. Mm. like different throws or whatever you know just like in judo like you know different points for different types of throws and, yeah. and stuff like that you can favor oh you know a leg sweep gets this or mm. or, or, or or something like that yeah like or a so palm, a palm than, strike a, a palm change you know you get this and you can knock yeah, him out his, yeah. off his feet yeah so, so it doesn't yeah I mean I think that would be more interesting than, than just saying oh let's have a bunch of body fighters get in the, because it's going to just degenerate into like very sloppy street fighting um, if you uh, you know because I just think there's not enough of a base and we're not building it you know you need to kind of just build it up from scratch like the very first few first years of mm-hmm. MA. you know it's like it becomes a crucible for experimentation right. and you need the money needs to be there and the prestige needs to be there yeah. I think that that yeah also yeah. yeah we need youngsters to start doing it too huh yeah, I mean, it, it is, unfortunately, like, um, you know, like going back to what I mentioned before, a lot of these arts, which I'm really interested in preserving, you know, they're in a way that the lineage is a little bit broken or, or, or um, we, we're um, because of cultural revolution or just because of 1920th, all of this upheaval uh, in China. And, and it's the same with like uh, martial arts. So, you know, my, what I find is my mission is just to help preserve mm. and just rediscover some of these things. And I'm quite gratified to see that there are a, a lot of individuals, you know, younger people in Hong Kong who are starting to become very interested in traditional Chinese culture. And, uh, and uh, you know, even on the artists, on the artistic side, I'm seeing people who are very interested in the traditional ink painting, mm-hmm. calligraphy, and um, very, people interested in the traditional incense. Mm-hmm. And even, yeah, there's a sign to be a ripple, you know, people are maybe starting to, there was a, a bit of a Wing Chun boom, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, that was spread to more of some of the other styles. Mm-hmm. 
You know, yeah. it's funny. Uh, when I first moved to China, the, I think the first or second, uh, Yipma, I don't know why I said it in Mandarin. I'm sorry. Because that's what, that's how everyone said it where I was. No no one said Yipma where I was. Everyone said Yipma. Yeah. Um, uh, no one really knew about uh, Wing Chun. You know, until like the yep. third, fourth, fifth one started coming out in mainland and it became really popular. But when I first went to China, in, in the north, nobody knew what Wing Chun was. Yep. Like, like your average person, I know idea. Only like a really hardcore martial arts fanatic yep. knew what it was. Yeah. You know, like I met a guy that did uh, uh, Chen style Tai Chi. He knew what it was, but he's yep. a, he's a dedicated martial artist. You know what I mean? Right. But your average mm-hmm. person north had no idea what it was. But now. Everyone knows about Wing yep. Chun. It's got to be the what the most popular Chinese martial art now. Would you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and some and, and, and good for them, well right? Known, right. Outs- yeah, outside of you know, outside of uh, China, right? Yeah, mm. basically Tai Chi and, and, and Wing Chun. Yeah, I have a friend who's uh, based out of Spokane, right, Oregon, right, mm. and he 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 was asking uh, what what martial arts style should he train, and uh, I gave him a list. I said, Yo, you learn how to fight. Just go learn BJJ or Krav Maga, right? Mm. And um, then he said a few, you know, weeks later, he said, I, "I'm learning Wing Chun." It's like, oh, okay, good, good for you. <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah. So, not that it's a bad yeah. thing to learn Wing Chun, but you know. No, no, no. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think yeah. it, it, it's just um, it's not bad to learn Wing Chun, but I, I think you know, given us we're we're very like you know, dedicated martial arts fanatics, we can we understand that Wing Chun is one style amongst. A plethora of styles, right? right? And it's not even like the most versatile style because you know those small stances is for fighting on boats and enclosed yeah. spaces and, and, and the like, right? When you have someone who's like big long kicks, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult. Or a football field where they'll just run away, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, um, it's a close so, quarter system, so, right? Yeah, it's a close quarter system. Yeah. So you, you just appreciate it for 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 what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like, oh, you're not going to be like the movie The Grandmaster, you know, like Tony Leung, one guy beats up 10, 10 people kind, kind of thing. Right? And one yeah. of them was Kung Lee, too, I think. And we were, he beat up Kung Lee, who's like one of the yeah. best fighters ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a movie. But it's actually, I thought Tony Lau looked kind of cool as, as, as Yip Man in that movie. I thought he looked cooler than uh, Donnie Yen did. To be honest. Yeah, because actually Tony, I mean, no, no. Um, his kung fu was worse, I, I thought, but his his look yeah. was better. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I mean, Tony Lung is a real actor, right? I don't yeah. consider Donnie Yen is a real. I mean, again, I'm gonna probably offend people, but I don't consider him a real actor. I mean, he's he's basically got one Botox expression, right? His expression <laughs> never changes, but uh, yeah. he's always, yeah, you're right. Now that you mentioned that, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, um, but I mean, he, he's he's great, you know, at doing the stunts, and he's great at doing. He does his own stunts. He does his. I mean, he, he's um, his, his his mother is like Boston Mac is is very famous, and he has like a really solid wushu background. So mm-hmm. you know, kudos to him, I and mean, he's really helped revive at least uh, to a certain extent, you know, the, the the dying Hong Kong film industry for, for a while. You know, there were a lot of really good martial arts movies that were, were, were headlined by, but Tony Leung is a real actor, right? It's right. like he embodies the character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rather than, um, you know, like a great fighter, but right. he did, you know, he did break his hand, like training for that movie. So that wow. um, he was like training like six months, like six hours a day, oh, something wow. like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
at about at 40 years of age, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, get my hat off to him that, that you have that kind of level <laughs> of yeah. dedication to, to do that, like, in your 40s, right? Maybe in your early 30s or whatever, that, that's different. But, mm-hmm. yeah. My one movie I saw of his that I really liked was, I, I know the name sounds weird. I don't know how to say it in Chinese, but in English, I think it's called Lust Caution. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That was a yeah, good movie. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like Tang Wei. So it's like um, she she's one of my favorite actresses as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a good movie. And of course, my all time favorite Chinese film is Farewell, My Concubine. That's mm-hmm. not easy for anyone it, to watch, though. It is pr- it's a pretty brutal movie. So Farewell. it is, yeah. And any t- thing that touches on you know cultural revolution is is was is, is a little bit disturbing, but that was definitely a very beautiful movie. And I was oh, yeah. heavily influenced by it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know very much about Peking Opera, but yeah. Oh, that movie changed yeah, my outlook on so many things. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That was back when so China was able to make like movies, like legit awesome movies without too much government input. You know, that that time is gone. Yeah. 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 They're like the uh, fourth or fifth generation, you know, the filmmakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Hong yeah, Kong. Had, it's, it's, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that was kind of a golden age, 80s, 90s. Yes. Especially in Hong Kong. Well, um, until about 2001, two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Hong Kong now, you could kind of tell they sold out to the CCP with a lot of their films now, the way they're yeah. sort of, like, the, like the Yip Ma movies. We all know he left because the communists were going to come get him, you know, but they had to change it yes, to the Japanese. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. yeah. And I even have friends here that believe he actually beat up like 10 black belts and all this stuff. <laughs> like, like there's no, people- and actually, you know, he, Yip Man was a, in a way, um, uh, a collaborator with the with the Japanese during the time, so the story is completely the other way around. I know. Um, you're gonna get people offended. But it's like I mean, he was there. He was like kind of like a like a local policeman or whatever. Like uh, yeah, for for uh, yeah. So for the brothels, you know, right? He, he made sure the brothels yeah, paid their taxes. I think, like, right? You know, yeah, yeah. So he was actually just collaborating with the occupation government, just doing what he needed to survive. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it's easy to judge him call him a traitor yeah. but what would you do in a situation like that right what would anyone else yeah, do I'm not, I'm not judging him I'm right. just saying but I'm just saying that it's, it's the way I, 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 I just laugh at the way that you sort of change the story the script completely yeah well, they made him the, the most righteous martial arts superhero of all time right <laughs> I mean he was just a rich kid from Foshan right yeah Foshan, he's a, his family was rich and then he spent all his youth instead of studying and working and learning martial arts because that was his passion mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I think the real story of of Yip Man would be incredible, either in documentary yeah. format or film. It wouldn't. It would never be a film. If it is, it would have to be made in Taiwan or Malaysia. Or it can never be made in mainland or Hong Kong. But yeah, a documentary would be great, right? Yeah, it's unfortunate in those days. Um, you know, even though you had the super eights and, and all that, my my sifu was telling me that mm-hmm. all the older teachers refused to be filmed. You know. Oh wow! So yeah, it's it's not like you have a lot of like great documentary footage mm-hmm. uh, from that time, that period. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. otherwise that w- we would have a whole. It wasn't the lack of technology; it was just that you know that there was still that um, cultural secrecy. Yeah. Right, right, right. CS yeah. Tong seems much more open to to put. No, he's very out. open. Yeah. Um, obviously, he doesn't talk. He doesn't tell you everything. Uh, in the beginning and, and I, I also tell say people like fuck um, 
you know, I still have these moments where he uh, is like, why didn't you tell me that like 10 years ago? It would make my life so much easier. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I did, but you didn't understand. And it's like, no, because <laughs> like, you know, I, we have two of us usually take class together. I, mm. I, I always ask my, my CA, he's like, he didn't tell us, did he? He said, no, he didn't. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's kind of more in this stage of his life where he's like, I have to download everything now because a lot of the his, his friends are all passing away. So he's like really actually in this desperate like oh like data download type right. mode. So it's like I don't care if you can absorb it or not, but just you know like take as much as you can. Archive like, I'm it. Gonna stuff it <laughs> down your throat. Yeah. Whereas in the past, it's like yeah, yeah, you know, I'll tell you if you ask, but if you don't ask, uh, yeah, then I, I I won't tell you, or I might not tell you. Like. Um, I asked him about Dantian um, in the first couple of years, and then he was like, oh, "You don't need Dantian. This is all in your waist, right?" <laughs> and then it's like, okay, "All right, <laughs> right." Yeah. When, yeah. Uh, when did that change? When did you get the Dantian focus? No, I mean, I How did it come it about? Really, um, it wasn't so much that I took discipleship, but it's more like um, I think more like when he really became. Uh, became like one of the family because I treat him like a second father now mm-hmm. and then I think you know once once you kind of reach that level of uh, uh, intimacy then things things change right mm-hmm. so uh, you know if he was in hospital or if he needed money or whatever not that you know he, he, he's ever asked that or whatever then I would treat him the same way that I treat my father mm-hmm. so it, 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 it's I think you know once you build up that level of trust um, that, then things start to change but right. In general, he's very open because, you know, there's only so much you can absorb anyway. And, and most people come study two, three years and then, you know, they, they go off and do other things. Mm-hmm. But within the two or three years, he'll teach you to the, the extent, you know, the higher level stuff is not that you'll be able to do it in two, three years right. anyway. Yeah. Unless you were training six hours a day, which is, you know, no people aren't doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like once a week. Right. Time. Thing. Yeah. Right. right. So, how often yeah. do you get to see him now? I mean, I know it's hard because of COVID and everything, but I see him twice a week. Yeah. So, okay. So it's still that's I good. Yeah, I, I still do two hours a week with him. I'm still um, there's still th- certain things that I'm I'm wanting to learn. I'm 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 doing Bagua stuff at the moment, and I'm also doing um, you know. Uh, some wudang sword, so not not the wushu wudang sword, but uh, uh, the the one from Li Jingling, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's actually there's a lot of commonalities in the body mechanics with Bagua, so I find it really fascinating um, learning that because it's like being it, it's it's even more Bagua than Bagua sword, mm-hmm. I find so um, it, it, it's really interesting because mm-hmm. to me at this late stage, I'm more interested in oh the body mechanics can mm-hmm. I. How can how does this um, how are you using the body a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, it's no longer about the forms, but it's like, oh, this this set gives me allows me to express my body or use a different engine, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and and I think that's the fun about it, and that's where all the learning continues. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um, yeah, did you ever see the Bagua documentaries that Byron was posting, Byron Jacobs? <laughs> Um, I, I think I might have seen one or two, but yeah, I haven't been yeah watching as much. I, but I, I will look on. Yeah, I will look if um, since you've mentioned it, I will go onto YouTube. I finally had a chance to catch up. I think I only need to see like one or two more. I yep. wanted your opinion on this since you you know a lot more than I do. You're way more knowledgeable than me. 
I, no, I, no, no, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, go, go ahead, yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, they said in the first episode that Dong Hai Chen maybe did Fanzi Chen. Like, it kind of has like a semicircle in that system or a turning aspect or something like that. Then maybe he did yeah, like I mean, um, circle walking, he added it in or something. Would, would you, does that sound reasonable to you? I mean, it, it, it is as reasonable as any other theory. You know, Kango said, oh, you know, the, the circle walking from comes from all the Taoist uh, rituals mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I think when I was younger, I was more interested in, 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 in that kind of thing. But um, I, 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 there are some similarities, uh, but I mean, I don't, you could argue it either way. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced mm-hmm. um, either way. And I'm not, I'm not like a super expert on foundation. And in terms of the energetics, though, it's quite different, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think he also put in the energetics in um, somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? So from somewhere else. So that's um, that to me is sort of the more en- interesting part where he got the, the energetics from right. or, or the engine. Yeah, rather than the form. Because, you know, like um, even Tai Chi has like a very, a lot of similarities with Shaolin, right? Especially... Um, a Chen style, Chen, right? Yeah, Chen style. Yeah, so 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 you can see where how some of the forms evolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm like really wanting to go and <laughs> study Shaolin, right? right? It's just like okay, that's an interesting point, but there's a different engine, there's a different way of mm-hmm. using the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible that he's kind of like maybe he did some fansa and some other stuff, and got in street fights, and kind of just. I don't want to say made it up like in a bad way, but just kind of developed his own, just did his own thing, like made it up, not 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 like in a in a silly way, you know, but just because he was skilled and because he was like kind of a martial arts savant, he kind of developed his own thing. Does that seem reasonable? I, mean, I think that's reasonable to a certain extent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do think so. Um, I, I'm I wouldn't have put it past him. I mean, I, I I'm sure he he drew the various. Uh, applications and stuff from a number of different sources and then yeah he put it together whether it was you know like uh like like a, a Taoist priest like Song Yiwen or whatever who, who taught him or, 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 or it wasn't I really don't know I mean that that's all mm-hmm. kind of speculation but um yeah I mean the way that he taught his students too and then if you look at the difference between Yin style and then you know Cheng style um the, the, the dynamics of this was quite different because it was um, tailored to to kind of what Ian Fu was, um, you know, his body type and what he had learned before. And, and you know, Cheng style again is mm. was, um, you know, tailored to, towards more of a, you know, Cheng body type and stuff mm. like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, the way that he taught probably reflected how he was, he learned his, his, his own martial arts as well. Mm. Mm. Maybe he could have picked something up from his students that did all these different arts. You know, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. So and, and then people said, you know, like basically in Bagua, it's only you know, there's basically just you know like single palm change, and then you know one or two palms was the core, and then everything else is kind of ex- extrapolation because you know, walking, excuse me, walking Sorry. the walking the circle, you can create all sorts of forms, you know, with your hands. Um, you know, in static poses, mm-hmm. you know, just from from qigong, you can put in a lot of different static poses into walking the circle. Right. Um, so that's not too hard uh, to see the the uh, the development. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, the, the, even you know different styles, they have like the different basic pumps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well. Um, you did so Aikido. What did you train in uh, Aikido Taiji before you did Bagua? Before you seriously delved into Bagua, you, you did a number of martial arts. No, I, st- I started Taiji first. So, um, yeah, like I said, it was uh, more of the like the Wushu, live out the Wushu, and, 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 and some of the Chen uh, style. I don't train much Chen anymore, um, but you know, like it was more like when I came back to Hong Kong and then CS Tang. Um, studied under Feng Zixiang in the 1980s in Beijing. So uh, the, the, the Chen Taiji that I eventually learned, um, I went through two, two or three different teachers. Uh, but finally, you know, under my Sifu, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's more Feng, Feng Zixiang's. Uh, more more the Beijing style. line of Chen style, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah which that's, right. that's, that's another tall, oh man, that's a can of worms right there, huh? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, people but, I, mean, I don't train that, that much anymore right. than Chen because I have my hands full with, with, with Yang and, um, yeah, and the Bagua. And, yeah, I, I only have so many hours in the day. Right. Yeah. Well, the point I was getting at is that you had a pretty solid foundation of martial arts training before you did Bagua, right? Um, I had some. I would say that I had to relearn a lot of stuff. Because mm-hmm. Bagua is, uh, it's... It's a different kind of worms altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're using different parts of your body. I mean, even from, you know, even Tai Chi, right? You're basically just using the quad uh, on a little bit from your waist, mm-hmm. right? But, um, uh, but you know, like um, in Bagua, you kind of have to open up the sides of your body. You have to open up the shoulders need to be super open mm-hmm. uh, and, and the hips as well, right? So it's, it, it's not like... Uh, it's, it's like something completely different. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was, even though I did yoga for many years, I, I was still quite stiff. And I think it's only like, you know, after a pe- prolonged period of time of opening the body uh, that, um, you know, the bhaga kind of really came to life. Right, right. Yeah. Um, it seems like the, the, I could be wrong, but from kind of my discussions with Byron and quite a few other people, the most skilled Bagua people are the ones that tend to have a background in something else. Um, yeah, I think it can, can say it's, it is a little bit of a more advanced martial art so that right. you need to have really good body awareness. I mean, I've had real difficulties teaching people Bagua because mm-hmm. you come in and they can't, you know, if you can't even, if you're not even, there's a lot, you need, you need pretty good stability mm-hmm. and balance. Because you know, there's a lot of spins mm-hmm. and there's a lot of turning directions. You need, you know, you you need um, good awareness of where where your opponent is, or the center of the circle is, mm-hmm. or the outside of the circle is, and, and, and things like that. And you come in, and a lot of people unfortunately don't have that, and it's very strange. It's sometimes very strange mm-hmm. uh, to me, especially for people who've done a lot of exercise. Just yesterday, I was Monday, right? It's a Monday, day before yesterday. I was teaching. Um, just like a general qigong class, and then this lady walks in, and she's young, and she's um, she's oh, I do TRX, you know, I do yoga, and I'm, I'm very sporty. And you can see from yeah, she has, she looks very sporty, but um, when you when she starts to move, it's like oh, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it's so clunky. Yeah, <laughs> it's really clunky you know, mm-hmm. the, the way that you're, you're moving. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's like weightlifting. Eh, 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 eh. Yeah, yeah. 
It reminds yeah. me in my, my boxing class I go to every morning. Um, uh, the, a guy will come in with an amazing physique. He 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 burns through all the workouts like like they're nothing. And then when it comes to punching. It's almost like he never threw a punch before in his life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, you hold the focus mitts up for him. He's literally missing a, a target that's not moving. You know, it kind of speaks to what you're saying, you know? Yeah. It's different. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like, if I, I would say, and some people would train Xing Yi and the Bagua at the same time. I was training Xing Yi first, and actually that's how my Sifu teaches. I don't, I, I mean, I actually did it the other way around because I had a little bit of Bagua experience from Taiwan when I came in, but mm. um, I think Xing Yi is kind of a very nice um, intro for someone who's never done martial arts before. If you want to just start with internal arts, mm-hmm. start with the Xing Yi because there's less variables to control. Mm-hmm. And then immediately you can play with the power and and, 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 and the senses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you move to Bagua. Yeah, like Daniel Mitchell teaches the Xingyi and the Bagua together. Mm-hmm. So in his system, um, which is also quite interesting, which mm-hmm. is the way he taught. And there are, you know, there are a lot of systems in Taiwan which, um, which which teach all three kind of at the same time, right? Xingyi, mm-hmm. Bagua, and Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Sun Lutang. He didn't quite agree with the difference between internal and external, but he kind of just did it just to kind of make things simple when communicating and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I don't agree with that either, but it's easier just to have a conversation if we could just kind of, you know, classify them mm. that way. Um, I, I wonder what, why is it Xing Yi Liu Chen ever grouped in with them or Dai Xing Yi? Um, or Ba Ji Chen, Pi Gua? Like, why aren't they considered it? internal it's kind of strange uh yeah i mean they can be done done in an internal way but i think it just um in terms of the the way that you use your body mechanics it it is it is a little bit more you know muscular there is a little bit more at least in the beginning uh you are using you know like a, a lot of um bracing and then and like um you know like uh uh, leg power and, mm. and stuff like that. It's not so much um, <coughs> the dantian or, or uh, the, the body work, but that's not to say to say that you know baji can become quite internal mm. if you train to the higher levels. Mm. Yeah. So so I mean, um, I think you know it's similar to chen tai chi. You know, chen tai chi. Everyone knows that considers tai chi as an internal style, but actually. Chen can be quite external too, mm-hmm. in some of the way that is expressed, right? Mm-hmm. Especially some of the punching uh, and, and the like. Especially in, in the early days of how you you, you, you do it. So it is kind of it is, and then you know the the, the, the shoulders, the, the elbow strikes, and, and and all that. So Chen, in some ways, is a, is a little bit more of a hybrid mm-hmm. system. And I would I would say that you know Baji and then Xin Liu He is 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 also very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that you use the intention. You know, like uh, how you you know touch and you read uh, the opponent's body mm-hmm. and all that. Um, it it is is also uh, quite. It's also much more a little bit more external in the way mm-hmm. that you you do things. Xing Xing Yi also has that external element that you know you're always using this you know intention mind intention boxing that you have a very strong mm-hmm. uh, intentional uh, element mm-hmm. um, in terms of like how you strike or you move. With the power. All right. Very interesting. Very well said. Um, I, I want to talk to you about Taiwan. Uh, have you ever been to Bagua Shan? The, the, 
Um, I know where it is, but I haven't been. Yeah, I haven't been there. Yeah, so but I've, I've seen pictures and I've read a little bit about the folk train as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. What What do you? I mean, uh, would is that kind of a Bagua Mecca for some people, or is it just? No, no, no. It's just the name of the okay. place. It's just it has Bagua in the name, right? It's like I can have a Tai Chi Shan in right. in, in Austin, Texas, or whatever, like like in, right. in Houston. But yeah. But isn't there a master there? Or someone does teach Bagua there? I think I think I heard it. I think so. I mean, I read somewhere in one of these books. Yeah, I think like, like a Taoist the priest. I think. Yeah, there was there is someone there, but I, I haven't. No, I haven't. I haven't been there, and mm. I haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the book escapes me. It, it's an English author who, who spent some time. Yeah, well, in, okay. Kent I Howard. Reviewed, I think Kent Howard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reviewed it on, on Amazon, but yeah, I think um, he, he, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he spent some time and he learned some Bagua there. That's well. really cool. It'd be a great place for a photo op or film a, a, a training video or something. Like I'm. Um, yeah. Here's yeah. my instructional. I mean, filmed on Bagua. I'm waiting for you to come over. Anyway, we can make a special trip to Taiwan if you're going to come to Hong Kong. Yeah, I haven't been to Hong Kong in a long time. I have. I haven't been there since 2016, 2017, I think. Yeah. It's been forever. I love Hong Kong. Hong Kong's amazing. Uh, you know, it, it's weird. Uh, in some ways. Hong Kong kind of like I'm, I'm going to offend a lot of people by saying this but I felt it kept many aspects of, of Chinese culture more traditional than mainland did in some ways mm. you know I, I would say the traditional martial arts and I, I'm going to make other people mad about this is probably you're probably going to get more you can get high quality in Hong Kong but I think you probably get more in mainland you know I don't, I don't I'm not saying it's Everything's outright better in mainland. It's not what I'm saying, you know. No, 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 I agree. I mean, there are pockets of excellence here, but I think you know, it's just if you really want to get you know hardcore training. If I'm um, coming from the U.S., I wouldn't really recommend coming to Hong Kong to 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 get that kind of level of training that, that you would want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, yeah. Go to. Well, well, I feel like. Well, I think maybe I feel like mainland would be better for martial arts training. Yeah, I think so. Oh, you think so? I mean, oh, there okay. are more dedicated. Yeah, yeah. And, and if, you, if you have the right introductions, there are you know mm. people who will actually train you properly, and then you know you like um, mm. eat a little bit of bitter, and then you right. you know, have a bit of sparring mm. and, and put yourself under a little bit of pressure. Mm-hmm. Southern arts, though, I think you're pretty well equipped in in, in Hong Kong and in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, like Chinese or it's like you know that there there's there's a lot here. And if you want to like you know like learn stuff like Park Mei, I mean that, that it's actually a really interesting art, and then mm-hmm. this is one of the areas that you can actually still find Park Mei teachers. Right. Yeah. yeah. I uh, when I, I used to live in the south of China, and uh, there wasn't. I, I don't think there was any white eyebrow at all. I, I, yeah. At least no one that I talked to heard of it. I know I'm sure it's there somewhere, you know. But sure, yeah. yeah. Have you traveled to many places in mainland? Um, for work, but not not so much. Yeah, I mean, I've been to Beijing and Tianjin and Shanghai and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hangzhou. Um, yeah, like uh, Xi'an, some of the tourist places, and uh, I spent a lot of time in Yunnan because of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been to a few, quite a few places, but uh, there are so many more. I mean, you know, it's the size of the United States, right? I yeah. mean, it's like... Uh, um, it's huge. 
were huge. Yeah, there's yeah. so many more places that I could go. Well, you had Yunnan tea. Have you ever had Yunnan coffee? Um, I have, yeah. It's so good, I, I, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big coffee fan, but I, I definitely enjoyed uh, the coffee when I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love Lee Jong. I actually have like two. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. I've got so wow. many books on Lee Jong, so many f- photography books. I love that place. Like, if politically it wasn't so unstable in China right now, I could easily see myself living in Lee Jong. But yeah, yeah. I think you know during COVID we were in Hong Kong really because the border was closed. Um, you know, we we for the first year or so everyone was just traveling within China. It was just so free, mm-hmm. um, and I we were super envious. It's like, oh, you know, be in Yunnan in like seven hours or whatever. And and then, yeah, and then, you know, and then after that, I can go to Lhasa and, uh, you you know, like go and see the Potala Palace. It's like Mm. quite amazing. Mm. You know, if you have that kind of, that kind of freedom or then going to like Huangshan. Mm. Yeah. On a matter of days, right? Yeah. 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 Well, What was your favorite city in China that you remember? No, I like Hangzhou. I like Westlake. I mean, I like just the, the culture of it. Uh, it's a little bit more Xihu, developed than the first right? time. I, hmm? Xihu. Xihu. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that beautiful. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's one of my favorite. And, and I think, you know, it's, 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 it's such a popular place that all the tycoons live there, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Jack Ma and all of these people have their own villas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Alibaba is there yeah yeah it's Huawei is there mm-hmm. yeah do you think when China opens back I mean it's a weird thing to say right now considering all the crazy stuff that's happening over in mainland right now but if there's ever any kind of you know return to normalcy would you ever consider traveling there and doing some training or just exploring you know um, yeah, I mean, I, um, I I do want to just hit all the holy mountains, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't done as much on that front. I mean, I want to go to Huangshan, I want to go to Mount Tai, I want to go to Huashan. Uh, those are the areas that really get me excited, so that mm-hmm. I would like to do that if the board is open. Right. Would you consider yourself a Buddhist? I'm more of a Buddhist Taoist, and okay. actually the labels become less interesting as mm-hmm. I get older mm-hmm. it's why I like the philosophy I like the method um, to me it is more of a method mm-hmm. and, and a way of life rather than like a belief system um, mm-hmm. I've tried the things and they work I mean you know like the internal energetics mm-hmm. once you can feel the chi you can feel the dantian and then you can feel like things like the microscopic orbit it, it, it is like oh okay um, so this stuff works and then it's kind of a roadmap to like deeper states of meditation. Uh, but but all of this is still, if you strip away all the mythology, it, 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 it's, uh, it's still quite, um, to me, like uh, just part of daily life. It's just like eating, drinking, mm-hmm. you know, taking a shit. This mm-hmm. kind of, it, 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 it's, it's fundamentally interesting, but I, I've become less enamored of all the special powers, the cities or like that mm-hmm. magical stuff or like, reincarnation or being born into the pure land and all that it's just more like oh this is something which I'm really interested in mm-hmm. and I want to continue to study and, and, and develop this uh, as, I get, as I get older would you ever explore Tibet for Tibetan Buddhism um, I, I've never been really drawn to Tibetan Buddhism for some mm-hmm. reason I mean I have my I have a, half my family in 
um, Malaysia is is Christian, like very fundamentalist, and half of them are um, Tibetan Buddhist. And then, you know, my uncle hosts Rinpoche's at his house and um, goes to France to see different Rinpoche's, but I've never had that kind of draw or attraction uh, to, to Tibetan stuff. I, I, I mean, it's always been Chinese and Japanese mm-hmm. stuff for me. Um, but I guess it speaks to my former life. So I've never, you know, never um, had never had a former life in that part of the world. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. But it, and that's not that, that's not to say that it's not a very rich um, system. Right, you're not downplaying I, I really, it. Yeah, yeah. I really like esoteric Buddhism. I um, have a bit more of a relationship with Shingon um in japan so uh that's maybe a story for another podcast but mm-hmm. then you know i always keep getting drawn back to shingon in in some way mm-hmm. but uh, i don't know what the co- real connection is i haven't had the time to dedicate to it as much as some of the other arts mm-hmm. but it's um, something that interests me as well fascinating you know one thing i liked about japan when i was there i stayed there for a little while on vacation um they actually really uh like traditional Chinese culture. It's not what people think and they're, they're pretty fascinated by it. And there's a, there's a very deep appreciation for a traditional Chinese, you know, martial arts there. Uh, Like even something like Xing Liuhe trend, like people are really interested in that in Japan. I was surprised, you know, especially Baiji trend. That one's really popular in Japan, partially because of video game, virtual fighter. Have you heard of that? Yes, yes, yes. The main yeah. character does Baji Tran, and it's just been yeah, it got really popular there. So yeah, yeah. I like Baji a lot. I mean, it, it's um, it's just something which I haven't, you know, like there's too many styles. Mm-hmm. I really like this, you know, with the elbow strikes. I think it's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Oh, like, it looks uh, awesome. Like that grandmaster, like Zhang Zhen, you know, like he can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you notice that as well when you you traveled to Japan? Their appreciation for Chinese martial arts and and culture. Um, I mean, I, I think, uh, yes, I, 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 they, they do have a strong appreciation, but it's always sometimes, um, yeah. And, and they preserved a lot of like the Tang and the Song Dynasty stuff through in their own arts as well. So yeah. I think there's a kind of a nice, uh, crossover there as well. But mm. yeah, I mean, I had two friends who were really into Jackie Chen you know, <laughs> when I was, uh, I, I lived for a year in Tokyo and then I had these two sisters, like twin sisters, uh-huh. and they were really into Jackie Chan and those were like, you know, Chinese martial arts and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And I just thought that was so interesting because, you know, you would think, oh, they're more, you know, usually being more into Western culture, Western mm. media, but they, they were, um, you know, that was their favorite actor and <laughs> favorite. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there are definitely um, uh, a lot of schools training. Mm. And sometimes... My sequel is, you know, in in some ways, the, the Japanese and the Westerners make better students uh, because they, they, they put in the hours. They don't question as much. They just do it. Really? Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, I think oh. I think as, like, you know, as Chinese, we, we're a little bit, like, less, uh, you know, we, 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 we question a bit more. And then, you know, like, we, we were like, oh, you know kind of goof off and slack off at least the at least the younger generations now but mm-hmm. um you still have that really strong work ethic mm-hmm. um in 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 in, in um, japan and when you have westerners coming all the way to you know asia to learn martial arts they're obviously um 
deeply dedicated, so they mm-hmm. don't want to waste any time. So you know, right. they, they're taking lessons and they go back and they're like trying to re- absorb and, mm-hmm. and 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 refine and, and just take as much as they can because they know it's only for a finite amount of time. Whereas, oh, I can pick up the phone and and just say, hey, see if I'm coming over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have class today? I'm coming over. I'm just coming to sit, ask questions. But you, you know that, yeah, it's a different kind of. <laughs> urgency or relationship right right i was watching some interviews with some masters in mainland and they a lot of them even on chinese tv they were saying that the future of traditional kung fu is probably not going to be in mainland or hong kong or taiwan it's going to be in the west or japan i think they're saying that they're probably really jaded that's probably why they're saying that. i don't think it's that severe you know. It's not that severe, but yeah, I think there's a real wake-up call for the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not that pessimistic because China is huge, right? Yeah. Um, and we are we are sort of seeing a revival, like you know, in the grassroots of people really appreciating their own culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I mean, one of the things that the government has been is a good. As a good side of what the government is doing in, in in promoting all this nationalism, is that people are, I can, you know, starting to be actually quite proud of Chinese culture in China. Mm-hmm. So that 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 is, uh, you know, kind of a good thing. Whereas growing up in, you know, Malaysia or here in Hong Kong, it's like, oh, you know, like this indrome cultural bias is like in all the media and all that. Oh, the U.S is the way to go this is the way development um mm. you know the, you you haven't made it unless you made it in new york or hollywood or this kind of thing right so mm. i think that's certainly shifted over the the, the 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 years and i'm you know at least as in raising my own children i try and give inculcate the same values that i have like i'm neutral between east and west you know, you do really need a strong foundation in your own culture, like the Eastern culture, mm. because I think we do a lot of things better, at least on the social aspects of like extended family, mm. um, you, you know, like etiquette, uh, just like, you know, just like general, like basic, like etiquette and morality. I'm not talking about religious morality, it's just like living your, your daily life. I mean, it's just ingrained in the culture that we do a lot better. And then like the creativity of the West, you know, like the free thinking, the slightly rebelliousness. I mean, that's kind of what I was the one had to experience as well, right? So it, it's nice to have that mm-hmm. um, balance. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, they do, you guys, the East does education better, you know? Yeah. You know, family. So your son's going to have the best of both worlds, right? I'm trying. You, know, you have a tiger um, like, a, you yeah. know, like a laid back Kung Fu dad. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying. Um, yeah. But do you think, uh, I mean, the fact that the government's promoting it, sometimes the things are top down like that. It doesn't always work out the best. Sometimes the when things like you know grow naturally, cultivate from the ground up, they tend yeah. to be better, right? So it's yeah. good that the government is promoting it, but then you get the wrong people in charge mm. sometimes. Yeah, I, I, and I'm I'm not going to comment like on government policy, but right. I, I just only said that that was one um, one aspect that I thought was kind of a a nice thing that I saw as a, as an unexpected offshoot. Yeah, mm. so yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think yeah. Chinese martial arts can be re- like interest could be revived in China and Hong Kong and Taiwan? Yeah. Um, 
he it uh i i mean i think there it's hard to say as it's hard to say so um i'm I'm seeing good signs, I guess, like in, in Taiwan, in terms of indigenous culture, you know, the local Aboriginal culture, mm-hmm. they, there's a like really strong revival of like their dance and their customs and their traditions. There's a rediscovery of their roots. Uh, whether, you know, that's going to extend to the martial arts, I don't know. Um, I don't, haven't seen that here yet. And I, and in Hong Kong, we get so many new trends, like new fitness trends, or whether it's TRX, or I mean, this year it might the next year it might be something else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think there's a lot of things to distract people, uh, but you never know. I mean, I think if we have a f- some few good movies like Iman or whatever, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it you you would bring a new you know cohort of people. Uh, there are a lot of Wing Chun practitioners now. I mean, that was like a really boom. So I like. I, I mean, it's nice to have seen that. Okay, mm-hmm. we have like a bunch of people in, in their 20s, right, who were, yeah, who, who uh, started rediscovering, like, Wing Chun and stuff, and hopefully we can branch off. Yeah, a, a, a friend of mine who uh, owns a Wing Chun school in New York called City Wing Chun, Alex Richter, you probably heard of him, um, he said every time a new Yitman movie comes out, he kind of rolls his eyes a bit because they're so ridiculous but then he's also thankful because he gets a bunch of new yep. students signing up you know and that's that's good for him financially sure. yeah you know yeah um and of course comes a conversation like no the 10 guys the 10 black belts is not true no this is not true but you know yeah. there's still a lot of value in learning this um yeah i mean it's it's interesting how popular wing chung is now though it's definitely probably the most popular right yeah Next to Tai Chi, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, Wing Chun and Tai Chi, I think that's yeah. what we stated earlier. Yeah. yeah. Do, uh, so, do you get students from a Wing Chun background sometimes? Not really. Um, I think they just tend to stick with Wing Chun. I mean, for me, it's, I think more of my students um, are a little bit older. Uh, mm. It's more like a lot of them are more health-based. Mm. Uh, I mean, I have a couple of younger students. I mean, like one of them I'm teaching Bagua, but um, it, it is more sort of health-based or like trying to address the chronic conditions that they have, whether it could be Parkinson's or, uh, you know, uh, high blood pressure or, um, uh, yeah, you know, even cancer. So so that, that people have been kind of drawn to that. And so I, t- I tend to teach them, you know, more like the the gentle type, more of a uh, qigong based practice and mm. then you know layer some of the, the tai chi on top mm. Mm. Yeah. and they, and they take to that really well yeah mm. if i came to you and i said i wanted to learn bagua more for you know combat oriented stuff would you be willing to do that yeah i mean i would be willing to teach um the applications mm. to you but uh you know we would probably have to find someone else to to come along with so we can do some of this, the, 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 the pair practice. That's, yeah, that's uh, true. Well, yeah, because uh, I, I think that would work better. You of know, course, yeah. coming a person, yeah. So, like, a, so, I mean, when I train, I have basically trained two on one with my teacher. Mm-hmm. So we have, like, two of us um, mm-hmm. training the applications, you know, so that's, like, uh, uh, someone to, to practice on. Because uh, Steve is also older now, so he's not going to be like he's going to be thrown working with you for like an hour, right? right. Yeah. 
How how old is he now, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, he was born in forty nine, nineteen forty nine. Oh. So he's seventy what four? Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, he's three. Yeah, yeah, he's coming up to his birthday soon. Yeah. Mm. Do you feel yeah. the pressure trying to, to accumulate an archive as much as you can before? I hate to say, yeah, it, but before I, he passes? I mean, I've, I've um, sort of like asked for a photographer. I, I mean, which we, I'm gonna I'm get a videographer to try and. Uh, to record some of his more obscure stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, some of the more obscure weapons systems and stuff, which we'll never actually ever get the chance to come to because, um, you know, some of it presupposes a certain, you know, like a certain style, like you know, Bachmann. Mm-hmm. Even if I started Bachmann today, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't really be able to, you know, get to the level of weapons work for another five or six years, right? Four right. five years, maybe. But it'd be yeah, a great so, to document okay. it, though. Yes, yeah, for the future generations. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that's what we're we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And he's been trying to farm out um, some of the more, um, you know, obscure things to some of the other students. He has like a big group on Saturday, so these are not like disciples as such. But oh, you know, he feels that oh, you can learn like. Seem kun, which is like Zen Zen fist, right? So mm-hmm. like he, then he he would teach, he would just say, hey, you know, you two, I'm teaching you this, and then mm-hmm. at least there's someone who's learned that part of his right. repertoire. Yeah, that is fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you on for too long, but I could talk to you all day. I can go so deep. Yeah. No, I, I know it's getting late too. Yeah. No, I'm I'm good. I mean, I you know, yeah. it's it's okay, yeah. but I just real yes. quick. What what are your goals next time you train, and you know what are you what are you looking to personally develop right now? Um, I'm personally developing, you know, the energy side of it, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's why the internal, because it it, it, it it's um, it's synergistic. The the more of the internal development I do, I think that the stronger the energy body is, mm-hmm. and then you know the stronger that my body my body is, and the younger that I will stay, and then I can layer that on into the internal arts because I mean it's fundamentally part of the internal arts and so I'm really fascinated about how to continue to develop the energetics of it um, and for me it's it's um, really going deeper into differentiating between the different styles that I do uh, so even for Yang style I'm I'm trying to I've also I learned the traditional Yang Shou Zhong style um, I've I'm, I've learned the Ban Ho Banho style. Um, uh, I, I'm just looking. I'm just exploring the differences and trying to understand. You know, okay, how this is how Taiji evolved. It's like almost a slightly different engine mm. in the way that uh, different lineages do it. And then, yeah, the the, the Bagua is just like kind of a deep, endless pit. <laughs> it's just like oh, you know, like we can always discover more. Oh, this is like uh, there's a different quality in the movement mm. as you as you start to go deeper and deeper, especially if you start to work with the sword and all that. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of my priority at the moment. It's just like refine, refine, refine. Mm-hmm. See, try, we can kind of get to the essence of the art and the movement, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's already, I think, another three to four years work to download the last bit mm-hmm. of my Sifu's knowledge, or at least on these uh, aspects. Mm-hmm. Would you ever consider writing a book? Not so much um, for have, CS Tong, but yeah. kind of like you for your knowledge, your training, yeah, your martial I have arts. Been. I've been trying to because um, I've been really trying to just um, 
I wanted to write a book uh, to just rekindle some of the interest in traditional Chinese culture. It's not just for martial arts, but mm. like I said, it's more of a literati lifestyle, like an alternative approach to to wellness, right? It's just like, okay, you know, a life where like, we don't need to be going out drinking or like a very hedonistic life. So life is now restraint, you know, even like a, a cup of tea, uh, meditation, you know, just like simple incense, um, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of music that's, that's, uh, can be very, very deep and very, very fulfilling. Uh, and it doesn't cost very much money actually to, mm-hmm. to even do that, right. To, 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 to live in a way that's much more in harmony with the environment. And it fits very well with our sort of climate, mm-hmm. uh, climate change and like environmental goals as well. It's not all about consumption. Mm-hmm. It's about a life of the mind and a life of simplicity. Yes, sir. Yeah. That is that is amazing. Well, Bernard, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. I know you're a really busy man. You're a father like I am and a martial artist, a historian, a scholar, and all these wonderful things. And I sincerely appreciate your time. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for giving me a, a forum. Um, yeah, to, to I, I've loved your podcast in the past and you know, you've interviewed some of my friends before, like John Nicklin. So mm-hmm. so I'm 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 really honored to be have a chance to, to be on your platform as well. Oh, I'm a nobody, but thank you though. Uh, don't hang up. I'm going to stop recording in just a moment. Uh, stay off with me. Is that okay? Sure. That's yeah, fine. Thank you. Well, everyone, uh, thank you so much for listening. And I will leave Bernard Kwan's uh, contact information or whatever contact information he gives me. And if you're interested in reaching out to him uh, to learn more, please do. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.